It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. <sighs> oh, hey, guys. <laughs> Mackey and Judd. You Okay. Uh, on 1500 ESPN. All right, let's get into this here. Usually write that down is at 10 o'clock Fridays. That's going to be 11 o'clock today because we have a scoop session with Darren Doogie Wolfson, 5 Eyewitness News. Myron Medcalf is in for Judd today. You can find Doogie's Scoop podcast anywhere you would generally download podcasts. 1500ESPN.com is a good place. Apple Podcasts. Hello, Doogie. Good morning, gentlemen. Hi, Myron. Good to see you. Hi, Dave. Hi, Phil. TGIF. Myron, is this your first scoop session? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Buckle up, baby. All right, I'm ready. We're, this, is, this is a combination of sometimes it's reckless speculation, oftentimes it's very well sourced information, but it's just uh, it's it's one of our favorite segments. Well, I hope it's sometimes, more of the latter, not the former. Sometimes you do a great setup, did he? Sometimes Doogie gets like you know gets headlines on Bleacher Report and gets yelled at by people, but. That's, That's part of the deal. <laughs> Trust me. In my position, if you don't piss people off on occasion, I'm not doing my job properly. That's all of us, that. man. That's it's not often, but yeah, I mean, you know this, Myron. I mean, heck. I mean, you piss people off all, right? all, all, all the time. But that means you're not doing your job <laughs> yeah. if people yeah. aren't upset. So let's start. We, we've been on this Wolves thread for a much of the first hour here, watching the rest of the playoffs, and it's there's a lot of good speculation to be had. What are you hearing end of the end of the season fallout uh, Tom Thibodeau, Scott Layden press conferences. Jamal Crawford will not be back, at least for unless he circles the league and no one wants to pay him. But all kinds of things brewing already for the Wolves. You start wherever you want to. Sure. Well, actually just tweeted this. So GM Scott Layden and yeah, Tom Thibodeau met the media on Monday. It was a 26-minute deal at about the 16-17 minute mark, right in the middle, smack dab in the middle. It was a John Krasinski question. Within that question, Layden said he has regrets about how he handled the trade deadline. So I've been digging, okay, what the heck is he alluding to? Obviously didn't cite specifics. I know they talked to the Atlanta Hawks about Marco Bellinelli. Now you watch Bellinelli playing well for Philadelphia. Yeah. Could it be that? Remember, ultimately Atlanta actually didn't find a trade partner. They bought him out. And Bellinelli signed a free agent contract with Philadelphia. But the thing is... And maybe those wheels were already in motion. But once Bellinelli was bought out, I'm told the Wolves actually never reached out. So when he was a free agent, they never reached out just to see. But they had some conversations with the Hawks. Otherwise, I'm actually baffled. You know, I was actually told by two teams that they reached out to the Wolves just to see. Maybe there wasn't a match, but that people with the Wolves never got back to them. Hmm. Now, it's not always phone calls. Oftentimes, it's text messages. So maybe it got lost. Yeah, I mean, these guys are getting, 
you know, trade deadline, 24 hours to go, 48 hours to go, they are getting, you know, 20 text messages an hour. So maybe a text got lost in the shuffle. Yeah. But I know two teams that reached out to members of the Wolves, not just Light and others in the front office, and never heard back, which is ridiculous to me. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe, again, maybe the text messages just got lost, you know, as you're getting all these text messages. So I don't know if that's what Layden is alluding to. I'm trying to figure out. But I can tell you one thing that came to mind was I know they talked to the Hawks. And certainly, Bellinelli could have helped them. There's no doubt in my mind that if they had traded for Marco Bellinelli, he would have helped them. So that was that was one thing. On Jamal Crawford, yeah, he's not coming back. Now, could he circle the league through his agent and discover that he can't touch $4.5 million? I suppose. I mean, he could still exercise that option. He still has weeks to go. Yeah, so he hasn't, he plans on opting out. So this Correct. is like, this is like, hey, rest of the league. I'm available. Yes. Right. But the fact that in his career, he's earned, I believe it's now over $100 million. He doesn't spend, I know him well enough, he doesn't spend his money recklessly. If that's a word, recklessly. You threw an extra S. S I think I did. It yeah, it's yeah. Friday. It yes. Yeah. So anyway, fine. yeah. Trust me, I'm I'm in vacation mode. Although, yeah, <laughs> I, I need to go do some Vikings work at some point this afternoon. But but yeah, I mean, heck, I guess that's possible. But yeah, I mean, if I were a betting man, uh, Jamal Crawford is is one and done. He I think saw enough. He likes Jimmy Butler, and ESPN had the had the source that that said that Jimmy wants Jamal back. That's fine. But I just I don't see Jamal back. And one other thing, I'm probably burying the lead here. Although I don't think this is much. Put it this way: this is great fodder for this segment, the scoop segment. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Is this going to be reckless? No, it's not reckless. But I had two people reach out to me, so I didn't seek out this information. I had two people reach out to me. So the Wolves lose last Wednesday, nine days ago. They lose late Wednesday night in Houston. They actually fly back to the Twin Cities on Thursday. It was like late morning, early afternoon. Jimmy Butler was not on the team plane heading back here. He went from Houston back to L.A. where he's got a house. Now, is that that big of a deal? Who knows? Maybe he had a doctor's appointment the I next mean, day. Yeah. But I had people reach out to me. I think that speaks to a greater divide. I don't yeah. think people are specifically mad. And it's not like Jimmy just did that on his own. I'm sure he got permission from Tibbs. But it just speaks to there's... There's a lot going on over there. I mean, on the surface, you see 47 wins, you see 18 sellouts, you see the TV ratings jump 76 to 78%. Corporate sponsorship money is up. On the surface, there's a lot of good, but behind the scenes, there's a lot of backbiting, a lot of people that are upset. Super conflicting, Myron. I mean, we've talked about that throughout the last six months where, on paper, like Doogie just said, ratings are through the roof. 47 wins, but it just feels off. Something about the organization feels off. Tom Thibodeau, something something feels off about it. Yeah, and I don't, you know, is this Jimmy Butler thing, is it abnormal for the stars? I, I think he's in a class of those guys who probably feels like they can do what they want. You know, I, I mean, this is one of the banana boat, you know, taking trips to France with other superstars <laughs> kind of guys, and they probably see themselves in a certain light, and I don't know how that gels with, a rather blue-collar franchise that's trying to build that continuity and chemistry, you know, I don't think that's a, it's not like a huge story, but I can see how internally it'd be like, was that the best move? Was that the best move to make to go back to L.A. after a loss like that? Yeah. It doesn't seem like Now, defend, uh, I'll defend Jimmy to a degree that, that to suggest in any workplace, especially professional sports, that everybody is treated equally would be laughable. True. So Jimmy's got his own set of rules. He's earned that. Yeah. When you're a multi-time all-star, 
when you're one of the what 10 to 15 best two-way players in the league maybe yeah. higher maybe he's top seven to ten I mean he's that good yeah that's fine if he's treated differently than others but I do think whether it's his agent Bernie Lee being around more than any other player's agent yeah his trainer being around I mean there is a sense I've had one person in the organization suggest that this reminds them a little bit not quite to the extent of KG hmm. but that there's a little diva there you know not quite KG yeah. divaness but there's a little diva there with Jimmy well, that's something he should know Perception is so important. And I don't know if sometimes guys who have those rules, and I agree with you, they've earned them. I don't know if they realize what perception means and how important that is, where it's not about what you can do. It's sometimes how you do it, you know, and that can, you know, have implications down the line for someone. Well, I mean, does it matter? I mean, he's got Tibbs in his corner. Tibbs is his guy. Those two are are married. They're attached at the hip. Yeah. So as long as the president of operations slash coach is in your corner, I don't know if if he cares all that this, much about perception. This reeks. So let's get to some other stuff here too. But l- l- I, this reeks of people in the organization are not happy about a number of different things, and then this yes. was like the thing that yeah. that that pushed the anger over the top. Or I don't even know if it put it over that. the top. It was just, just another like, thing. Frustrated. I think it was already over the top. And yeah, I can tell sure. you, owner Glenn Taylor went to Tibbs at least on two occasions in season, pretty much trying to figure out why he acts like a buffoon. Yeah. Why are yeah. you the way you are? Yeah. And we talked about this when I was in, what, last Wednesday, Phil, or last Thursday, that Glenn Taylor should have known what he was getting with Tibbs. Yeah, do some And I background. get it. Tibbs did a bunch of traveling. He was actually on ESPN. I don't know yeah. who at ESPN thought that Tom <laughs> Thibodeau he was actually okay on TV, but he just he tells us nothing. Yeah. He's just, there's no personality there. Yeah. There might be, but we just don't know. Nobody in it. the media, <laughs> heck, Jim Peterson doesn't know. Yeah. Dave yeah. Benz, those those guys that are around, the broadcasters, don't know him yeah. one lick. So there might be some personality there. But anyway, I think there was maybe a sense that after that year away, traveling around, hanging out with George Carl, others, working for ESPN, yeah. that he had changed. No. And that's not even a knock against Tibbs. He won in Chicago being a certain way. Yeah. I don't think all of a sudden at now 60 years old, He's going to change. Well, and that was my thing about, I know we don't want to keep staying on the Butler thing, but that was my thing is he is viewed as a guy who has sort of isolated himself and has had sort of his clicks, if you will. I talked to a lot of Chicago guys who say, look, he had his guys, but everyone else in the building didn't have a relationship with him. Yeah. So that's when I talk about perception. He's got Butler. Butler knows he has his guy. I'm not sure if that's what you want in that locker room to represent the same sort of isolated click as you're trying to build this chemistry. For sure. And I think I think too, like Jimmy Jimmy Butler doesn't seem like the best verbal leader. Like he's he's verbal. I don't know. Him and Tom Thibodeau are very similar in that they're leaders by example. They're gonna grind their asses mm-hmm. and they're gonna they're gonna give you every ounce of mental and physical energy to put into their job. But are they able to sort of take a step back from that and be more CEO like and help grow the careers of others, and that doesn't that seems to be where the disconnect lies. Can you stick? Can we take a break and you come back with more scoops, or do you have to go? Yes, no, I'm okay. I've I got another to... about ten to twelve minutes. Okay, let's t- yeah. squeeze a break, and then if you have to go early, then go early. We've got stuff on twins and gophers. We'll come back with. Mackie and Judd now continue. I thought I'd be more excited than this. On fifteen hundred ESPN. All right, we got little bonus scoop action here with Doogie, and uh, we we went wall to wall. Jimmy Butler, Tom Thibodeau, Timberwolves, Jamal Crawford, uh, likely going to opt out of his player option. Let's. Uh, we got some Gopher stuff we can get to. Twins, uh, Viking. Let's start with Vikings. You, I know Channel Five, and you were there at Frank Ragnow's draft party, and he went 
what about ten picks before the Vikings at number thirty, but they had interest. So what what was the experience like, and how close were the Vikings to maybe landing a Minnesota guy? It was an incredible experience. I mean, just the raw emotion. You know, you think about Frank losing his father, John, mm-hmm. at the young age of 50, October of 2016, due to a heart attack. You know, John's best friends were there. The eight pallbearers were there. You know, just to see the raw emotion on Mom Marty's face mm-hmm. when the moment happened, when that phone rang, the Lions called, and then three minutes later, Roger Goodell steps to the podium, makes the announcement with the 20th pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Frank Ragnow. So that'll always stick in my mind. Yes, the Vikings had all sorts of interest in Ragnow. They wanted Ragnow badly. He was way higher than 30 on their board. Now, they had a sense earlier in the day that the absolute floor for Ragnow was 24 Carolina. More realistically, it was 21 Cincinnati. You think about the Bengals going with the Ohio State offensive lineman, Billy Price. Mm-hmm. The Bengals would have taken Frank Ragnow if Detroit had passed on him. Ultimately, he goes 20th. So the Vikings couldn't maneuver, and I get it. New Orleans moved up significantly to get a player. So it's not like it was impossible. But the Vikings were not giving up next year's first-round pick to move up. So while they loved Ragnow, they weren't giving up next year's one to move up to get him. But yeah, I mean, they love his athleticism. They love him as a person. You know, they looked at him and said, okay, you're our starting right guard from day one. You know, you think about, you know, he's 6'5", 312 pounds. You look at him, you would think he's about 265, 270. He can dunk a basketball effortlessly. Yeah, I mean, he's just a phenomenal athlete. You watch some of the film from Arkansas, you know, some of those screen passes, what have you. He gets down the field. The Vikings love those guys. You think about Pat Elfline, Nick Easton, being able to get down the field. Riley Reef. So, yeah, I mean, it never came close just because the Vikings knew they had to give up so much to move up. But I'm just telling you, the Vikings thought the world of Frank Ragnall. And on the kicker, Daniel Carlson. Yeah, that's like the, it's like Blair Walsh duplicate. Let's take a guy from the SEC who had a crappy <laughs> senior year. We can fix him because Mike Prefer, and let's bring him into camp and see what happens in the, in the middle of the draft. I mean, I think he was the consensus top kicker available. You know, the question is, did the Vikings really have to move up to get him? Well, whether this is right or wrong, I am told the Vikings' intel was that New Orleans, who was picking before them, Cincinnati, I forget where Cincinnati was, I forget where Jacksonville was, certainly Miami also had interest, although Miami didn't have a pick before the Vikings' pick, but the Vikings had enough intel that those four teams had interest in Carlson and that they felt like to get him, they had to move up. So whether that's right or wrong, now Miami ultimately... Ended up with a kicker, I believe, what, in the seventh round? But the Vikings thought, hey, we love the kid enough, and I will be shocked if come September 9th against San Francisco if Carlson is not the Vikings kicker. You can kiss Kai Forbath goodbye. Uh, Which one of us in this room hasn't gotten a scholarship offer from Richard Pitino? (laughs) Yeah. So so give us an update on the the Gopher basketball team uh, hunting for new recruits, and they have an opening on the coaching staff still too, right? Yeah, on the latter, I know that people have reached out to Richard Pitino to say your director of operations, Ryan Livingston, who's been on the road recruiting, because you can have your assistants on the road, and they're down an assistant, so he was given permission by the NCAA to travel and recruit the last two weekends. I know people have reached out on Ryan's behalf, former graduate assistant under Jay Wright at Villanova. He's been the director of operations here the last handful of years. He is ready. Patino has experience on his staff. Rob Jeter, former head coach, Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Great coach. Ed Conroy, former head coach, Tulane. You don't need another experienced guy. Why not a guy that is a relationship builder? 
connects with kids. I'm told that team loves Ryan Livingston. So I just know that people have reached out to Patino saying, hey, you need to elevate Ryan Livingston. I also know that Greg Paulus was attached to Patino's hip at one of the recent AAU events. So I know that Paulus wants the job badly, that Patino is certainly thinking about hiring Paulus. But I don't know when when a hire will happen. I can just tell you that people are saying, hey, you need to hire Livingston and that Paulus wants the job. On the offers, yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of local kids. I mean, in fact, one local kid, Tyler Wall of Lakeville North, he's a junior, class of 2019. He will be on campus this weekend. He hasn't seen the new Athletes Village, anything like that, so he will take his first visit unofficially. We can finally probably he will show visit off this a weekend. Gophers facility now, right? Instead of like, oh, let's just this beer, man. We're just going to speed by this over here. <laughs> Although, you know what? It's still not 100%. Just because a kid sees it. I mean, they had a kid commit to Pitt the other day. No. That was here. So he saw how beautiful this place is, and he still said, no, sorry, Minnesota. I'm going to play for Jeff Capel at Pitt. So it's not, it's not a lock. As beautiful as it is. Yeah. Doesn't mean that every kid is coming here. But yeah, Tyler Wall of Lakeville North will be on campus this weekend. Then you think about Zeke Najee, Hopkins Jr. forward. In the last 48 hours, he's gotten offers from St. John's, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Penn State, Purdue, and UCLA. I'm told Arizona is on the cusp of offering. Louisville is on the cusp of offering. The Gophers offered him months ago. Wisconsin was on him first you know, before just about anyone. Uh, so the Badgers will be a tough beat there. I know he likes Greg Gard. You know, and you think about that pipeline the Badgers have here with Brad Davison from Maple Grove, Nate Reavers from Lakeville North. You know, Greg Gard has got recruiting inroads here in town, plus his assistant, Krabenhoft. You know, but, but with all those offers, I mean, that's going to be a tough get for even Wisconsin, let alone Minnesota, when Najee's got all those offers. And you think about Matthew Hurt. From Rochester, John Marshall. I mean, that'll be a tough get when you've got Kansas, North Carolina, Kentucky, all those blue bloods that want you. You know, then you think about you know some of the kids in the class of 2020, Jalen Suggs from Minnehaha Academy, Dawson Garcia from Prior Lake. There's a big man from Park Center that's got an offer, and a kid Carlson from Eastridge. So yeah, I mean, all those kids. There's what four in the class of 2020, four in the class of 2019. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of local kids right now, as many as I can remember, that have Gophers basketball offers. Yeah. Uh, twin scoopage. They're 10 and 17. Um, I think they're probably closer to trading Brian Dozier than to winning a World Series at this point with their horrible start. So any steam you're hearing from, uh, from I, I still, just to make it clear, I still love Levine and Falvey long-term. I think those guys are yeah. doing some oh, yeah. great things behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. This is definitely a speed bump that, a lot of people didn't foresee early in the year. So it's possible that they could have a bad non-playoff year, and I will still back them and what they're doing long-term for the organization. That's my personal stance on it. I liked all the moves they made. I mean, they made you Darvish a heck of an offer, and it's not like he's, he's off to a great start with the yeah. Cubs. What else can you do? Yeah. You know, I mean, Polanco gets an 80-game suspension. Sano gets hurt. Buxton's missed 16 games. What's the record without Buxton? 3-13? and 13? Yes. I mean, so you take those guys out. I mean, who foresaw Lance Lynn stinking this badly, even though he switched leagues still, right? Alex, Alex Cobb's been worse, by I the way. I get it. None of us thought Logan Morrison would duplicate what he did last year in Tampa, but we didn't think he'd be this bad. Even Odorizzi has had hiccups. Maybe the Rodney hiccups were were easy to predict. Addison Reed. Like everybody thought, two years, $18 million, That is a steal. You think about some of the other reliever contracts, like Hunter in Philadelphia, others. Two years, 18 is a steal for Addison Reed. Mm-hmm. He just hasn't been great. You know, but you think about last night, like if Buxton is healthy, he's in center, Max Kepler's in right, 
Grossman makes that bad play. Grossman shouldn't be in the outfield at this point. And the White Sox end up tying the game, then win in walk-off fashion. So it just it's a bunch of weird things. It's five walk-off losses. I can't tell you. Now, this has changed a little bit after they lost Monday night, Tuesday night, and last night, especially last night to the lowly White Sox. But I can tell you, being over at the ballpark on Monday, I had a few people say, hey, we actually foresaw some hiccups in, a- in April. If you looked at our schedule, some of the pitchers we knew we would face, Verlander, the Yankee staff, Kluber, Kluber, even Chris Archer. I even had somebody say the name Ian Snell. Not that that's a household name, but they saw Snell, who's off to a good start mm-hmm. in Tampa. That if you compare the pitchers they've seen compared to other teams, they had a tougher road. Then you think about some of the lineups that they faced. Houston, New York. That if you just if you boil down the April schedule, the April schedule didn't do them any favors. So I can just tell you there's a little bit more optimism internally than there is externally. But I'm telling you, it changes quickly when you lose then Monday night. I was over there Monday afternoon. So this was before the loss Monday night, the loss Tuesday night, then the loss last night. And I actually believe that you can lose a division in April or a a playoff spot. A lot of absolutely. people say, oh, it's early, this, that. No, you absolutely, and I'm not saying yeah. the Twins are done. I'm not saying they're cooked at this point. It's a hole. But at this point, to get to 88, 89 wins, they need to play at a 600 clip. Can they play at a 600 clip the rest of the season? Good luck. Hmm. I say good luck. It's yeah, tough, I'm with yeah. you. Dude's- so, yeah, there probably is a better chance that whether it's Dozier, Morrison. I mean, all those guys are on one-year deals. I mean, you can make a case that they could trade any number of guys outside of Maurer, who's got his 10-5 and five rights. For sure. Thanks for coming in. All right, boys, have a good one. Have a good weekend. Doogie with a scoop session. Uh, Find him and his podcast, The Scoop, anywhere you would download podcasts. Myron Medcalf hanging out with us. Dave's got some stuff we should know about next. A few hoops items, including a great story from Allen Iverson talking about one of the signature moments of his Hall of Fame career. Right on. Mackie and Judd are back. Now, you can tell when they're ready by poking them with your finger. On 1500. ESPN. And Stuff You Should Know About is sponsored by Indeed. Are you hiring with Indeed? You can post a job in minutes, set up screener questions, and zero in on qualified candidates in an online dashboard. Get started at Indeed.com slash hire. Mackie and Judd Show, give me a go, no go for Stuff You Should Know About. Hosts, go. Producer, we're go. Technical, go. Music, go. Volume, go. The actual stuff, we are go. Control, we are a go. You are clear to launch stuff you should know about. We are go for launch. All right, we got Myron Medcalf in from ESPN's platforms, ESPN Radio on Saturday mornings. Judd is out until Monday, and Dave has some stuff. We should know about. You know, it's not easy being the world's most famous Toronto Raptors fan. No, Drake is. Uh, <laughs> unless you're not talking about Drake, I am talking. Is there another about Drake. famous Raptors fan? Who am I, I missing? I don't think there is. Adnan Verk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am talking about Drake, the man who sits courtside at all Raptors games he possibly can and chirps to all the opposing players that he possibly can. He's the modern version of what, like, he's to the Raptors what Spike Lee was for all those years. At Madison Square Garden, yeah. right? Where it's like getting into altercations with players and stuff. Yes, it's very strange. The altercation from game one of uh, the recent, well, the series they're in right now um, uh, with the Cavaliers, Kendrick Perkins. We all uh, know about that. He and Kendrick Perkins getting into a shouting match. Drake calling him a bleeping bleep. Words I can't say on the air. But that was enough to get the NBA's uh, attention, boys. Apparently, the NBA has reached out towards Drake 
and told him to knock it off. Per ESPN, he's been warned over his use of bad language. And NBA Big uh, Big Wig even talked to the Raptors GM about Drake's uh, (laughs) behavior courtside. Okay, Myron, if they put put Kendrick Perkins and Drake in an octagon, untimed, just like until someone throws a... Throws a towel in. What happens in that octagon? Uh, I, I think Drake would be destroyed. Like, yes, like it would be bad. Like Perkins, <laughs> you got to realize, like Drake had security with him. He had like four dudes with him with no necks. Were they? Right? All, or are they all sitting courtside all, with him? They were all sitting courtside, and you know that security because they had the earpieces. So he had these big like no neck dudes, and Perk was like, "Whatever, bring it on," because Perk would fight it. Like Perk would fight a bear. Yeah, <laughs> and, feel, and, feel, and feel like and feel like the bear was crazy for trying to fight. Said the bear might run. Yeah, exactly. Perk, Perk is not a guy you want to fight. When there's a dude that they just signed, only because like they they claim they like his leadership. He's there as an enforcer. Yes, that's the only reason. He is. I mean, he's like the fourth line old school hockey enforcer, yes. but in a basketball uniform. That's all. He, they, is. he checks into the game, and it's like, oh god, someone's <laughs> someone's. Gonna, it'd be funny if basketball was like hockey, and that you put Kendrick Perkins on the court, yeah. and then like. The Raptors have whoever their equivalent is, and then everyone clears out until someone hits the floor, and then the refs come over yes. and, like, stop it, you know? <laughs> I, think, exactly. I think we should make that happen. Uh, Myron, we have a game we play once in a while during this segment called Cold Cuts. Okay. And, uh, well, we got to play the intro first. Get some cold cuts. Get some cold cuts. Get some cold cuts. Thank you, Icky. Uh, I play a little soundbite, and it's up to you guys to uh, try to decipher who is behind the soundbite. Are you ready? Okay. Yep. I'm going to have bad games. Uh, it happens. Obviously, it's not the perfect timing. Um, but I think I have it. You head home uh, now. Okay. We got two home games that we need to take yeah. care of and, and handle business. Um, we have the team to do it, the coaching stuff, and we just got to go do it. All right. That is Australian's finest, Ben Simmons. One point? Yeah. Oh, for four? Yeah, bad news. It's aggressively bad. What the hell happened last night? Some people are speculating. Was there something in his personal life that happened? Like, why did he? I only don't take care. Four shoot shots? the ball. Shooter's gonna shoot There's something. And he's not a good shooter, but like you're a six ten the guard. <laughs> I agree. Yes, it's bad. It is weird. It's bad. It's weird. But I, I still like. I see the memes that are coming through. Still, the uh, we talked about earlier the Wilt Chamberlain where he's holding the one hundred, the card with one hundred on it. Like people have put. People have photoshopped Ben Simmons' face and then removed the zeros, so it's just Ben Simmons holding one on <laughs> a car. brilliant. Not a great night, mate. Oh, yeah. it's embarrassing. Uh, when you think of the great moments of Allen Iverson's career, what first pops into your mind? Practice. The Ty Lue, Ty, the, the Ty oh, Lue that. step over. That's the number one that comes into my mind. Practice has also got to be up there, but I was speaking on the court. I think the other one that we haven't mentioned yet, a very young Allen Iverson crossing over Michael Jordan. Yes. That was like short hair. Uh, like That was like shaved head Allen yeah. Iverson. Yes. Too. Yeah. yes, and he made Jordan look silly. Well, Iverson was doing a little interview in front of a crowd uh, the other day, and he uh, spoke about that moment and then a recent run-in with Jordan at a uh, Charlotte game. Here we go. If I get the greatest player to ever play the game on me, I'm going to try my move on him. So I remember... I came off a screen or something, and I heard Phil Jackson say his name, called him to switch out on me. And looking back on it, I'm thinking to myself, like, damn, did you get nervous or did you think about it or whatever? All I, was, all I saw was him, and I just backed up, and I gave him a little one, and he went for it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I got his ass now. <laughs> <laughs> and all I was thinking about... After the fact, 
that no one never probably would have known anything about that move if I wouldn't have made the shot afterwards because they don't do that on ESPN. So I live in Charlotte now, so I went to a Hornets game, and, you know, he made sure I was straight in the Hornets game, and we was like, I was in his office, and it was just me and him and one of my friends, and I was like, you know, just telling him how much he meant to me and how much I loved him. He was like, MF, you don't love me, you wouldn't have crossed me like that. <laughs> I love Allen Iverson. Dude, I wish, I wish he, I think, like, he was perfect for that era, too. He was. Like, the, sort of the, the end of the MJ era and in, into the, his, you couldn't get away with his style of play now. No. Uh, Russell Westbrook is a little bit of a modern equivalent, although he's much more of a rebounding energizer bunny. But and you smaller. can't, yeah. But you can't get away with like shooting thirty eight percent and shooting forty times in a game, right? And playing forty five minutes. Hey, taking George Lynch and company to the finals. Oh my gosh, Aaron was still, McKee. Uh, that was one of the greatest achievements. <laughs> Of any player in that generation, man. they had uh, they had, it was it was Theo Ratliff their See, center. Was, I think it was Matumbo. Like there was the trade. I don't know if that happened before or after the finals. I think it might have been Matumbo. I think Matumbo because they traded Ratliff. I think to the Hawks. Yeah, but then and then eventually toward the end, there were some rumors that Iverson that the Wolves were working on a trade to bring Iverson here. He yeah. winds up playing with. He winds up going, was it, did he Den- go to Denver? He went to Denver. But then he came, at some point he played with Chris Webber in Philadelphia. They tried that pairing, but both those yeah. guys were like past their primes. Yeah. And, you know, hey. interesting career, man. Yeah, it's kind of like that Bo Jackson to me. Just like the flash of greatness that we saw was amazing. Man. Yes. What, what he averaged one year, by the way, 44 minutes per game in the yes. 2001-2 season, which I believe is the year they got beat by the Lakers in the finals. Whoa! Speaking of flash of greatness, it was a long flash and... It still might be coming back, Phil. It was an all right day. I, I hit it all right. Um, just struggle with the, the speed of the greens. They're on the slower side. They they feel springy and they feel fast, especially as I'm, as I'm walking on them, but they're not putting that way. And uh, what I was feeling and, and, and sensing uh, just didn't match up. That's why I can't putt, too. They just feel different <laughs> under my feet versus how I hit the ball. It's so weird. Yeah, it's not going well for him. He, so he shot even par yesterday. 71, even par. And he's, uh, I think he's almost done with his round this morning already because he teed off at like 6.50 central time. He was two over. I keep scrolling down. I'm trying to find him here, and I, I can't find him. I'm still scrolling. <laughs> scroll hey, but he's playing, and he's, yeah. and he's healthy, we think, to some degree. And I feel like that was the first major hurdle. You know, you see Tiger and you go, wow, we want the old Tiger back. We want him to contend. We want to see Sunday Tiger. For for me, I'm going, I see him out there and he's healthy and his back hasn't fallen apart. That's a good sign for him. I'm not saying there's a a large window, but being healthy is the first step. I got him plus two right now. He is 13. Through 14 now. Oh, through 14. Okay. He's plus two. I guess we could watch this online because why would you want to televise Tiger Woodrons on TV? I mean, that's ridiculous. Hey, he's only six back, though. The leader's only minus four, so he's right there. He's in contention. That's pretty amazing, actually. He's playing this poorly and could still win on the weekend. He could still win. (laughs) Yeah, you're back in. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure we all saw the reports. Jason Witten moving from playing football to calling football, joining the MNF booth and the Dallas Cowboys all very sad but you know they they're happy to see their guy go that includes the owner Jerry Jones like many of those who came before him he walks away from the game he loves so much on his own terms he wasn't shown the door he wasn't cut 
He wasn't traded or released. He walked away being coveted by others who wanted to get their arms additionally around Jason and what you represent. Oh, enough. He was a tight end. Get over him. (laughs) I agree. He, he, he walked He's away. Into, yeah, yeah. But he, he was a good tight end. Yeah, he walked away into a five million dollar a year broadcasting deal too. Like, yeah, he, he walked away in his own terms, but it was like, yeah, I don't want to play again or right and like, make a bunch of money in Monday Night Football. And, and I'm sure he would have been back with the Cowboys. But let's be honest, it wasn't like the Cowboys were still featuring <laughs> no. him. They're not going to feature him prominently at 36. No, uh, I just find it. I don't want to sit here and put Myron in a position to uh, rip his company. But, nah, go ahead. Uh-oh. But I don't like. I I wish they would have gone in a. This was a chance to go in a, maybe a different or creative way in the booth. Like Judd and I said, I disagree with him at the time, but like a Randy Moss. I know oh, Brett I Favre tried out. Could you imagine just like, you know what? I don't know. We're, we don't have the Al Michaels play-by-play name. We don't have, like, Jason Witten's fine, but he's Jason Witten. Like, yeah. he's just kind of a, he's a tight end. Let's put Favre Moss and Rex Ryan in a booth and see what Do happens, it. you Go know? For I, I, I'm a big Ross guy. I, I, Randy Moss guy. I wish he would have been. I mean, because I think he's got that perfect personality. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see though. Witten though has that professionalism, sort of that demeanor that it, it'll work. I think he'll be good. I mean, Romo. How many people thought he'd be as good as he was? Correct. I think, but booth. Romo is such a headliner name too yeah. that like you, there's only a few broadcasters in football that you tune in to watch. I think Collinsworth has become one of them over 20 years. Yeah, Romo is one of them. Yeah. Um, there's been there's been others. I mean, in baseball, I'll listen. I'll tune in just to hear what Arod has to say on Sunday yep. nights because he's yep. Alex Rodriguez and he's interesting. So Jason Witten's going to have to, he's got some work to do to get such a surprise name. And he's, you know, he's a tight end. I don't know. Not splash. We'll see. Got another list here. The best quarterbacks ranked one through 50 in the NFL currently. And this is official, boys. This is the big lead staff. They have taken eight different football writers. Is Blake Bortles on the list? Or did he not everyone. quite make it? He made the list. <laughs> he's not high, but he's above 30. So I guess that's good for him. Wow, he's like okay. 28, 29, something like that. Uh, but I'm just going to start at number one. And again, this is eight different writers that were polled. Then they took all the answers, averaged them together. So this isn't just one wacko. This is eight different, eight different guys that apparently know okay. football. All right. Tell me when we've reached insanity, all right? Okay. okay. Num- number one, Aaron Rodgers. Okay. okay. Number That's two, fine. Brady. That's okay. Fine. Number three, Russ Wilson. That's fine. Okay. Number four, Breeze. Yeah, okay. okay. Number five, newly paid Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. I'm not. <laughs> I'll take Ben. Yeah, I'll take Ben for sure. Well, keep going. Let's see how. All right. I would have called it right there. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm not a Matt Ryan guy. Matt Ryan but that's fine. Five. We'll keep going. Carson Wentz, six. Over Ben? Oh, just wait. I mean, just wait. he's played one good year, and he's coming off an ACL injury. But even yeah. then, like, he was playing. Let's give him credit. He was playing at an MVP level, and okay. Yeah. That was six. Ben is number eight, because number seven, he's played less than Carson Wentz. Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's the end of the list. <laughs> <laughs> and throw the list I love in the me trash. some Jimmy Garoppolo, but that guy's played about six games. So <laughs> He got paid a bunch of money. He got paid a bunch of money because he was under Brady. And the idea is, hey, this guy. And he obviously had time to play when Brady was hurt. But come on, above Ben. I think Jimmy G is going to be awesome. But he and now, prove it. and now Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins with their new contracts. The fact that there's only about 20, this is supply and demand, baby. There's only about 20 trustworthy quarterbacks in the world and 32 teams all looking to pay him 20 or $30 million. Yep. 
And so, you know, that's why Jimmy G makes $27 million. Some of the other notables, our guy, our new guy, Kirk Cousins, 13. They put Andrew Luck at 16, I assume mostly because of injury Injuries. issues. But if Andrew Luck gets Wentz... for injuries, then why is Wentz? Exactly. Well, exactly. Uh, your guy, Case Keenum, 22nd. And we're lucky. Oh, my gosh. The backup. Trevor Simeon, he's he's top fifty, baby. He's number forty eight, so good for him. So the Vikings have two of the top forty eight quarterbacks in the in the world. Yeah, wow. if you say it like that, it sounds pretty that good. Does. Average six point eight per attempt last year. More touchdowns than picks. Above average backup. Yeah. More touchdowns than picks. Yeah. Congratulations, <laughs> congratulations. Uh, let's get it. You know what, Myron? I I didn't even know that Roy. I if you would have asked me yesterday, what's Royce White been up to? I would have said I have no idea. He's been in headlines. Let's uh, let's check back in with Royce White in the headlines when we come back here. And also write that down in an accountability session in about 15 minutes. Mackie and Judd with uh, Meyer and Medcalf. It's Phil Mackey. That boy is crazy. Judd Zolgad. I like the guy, yeah. but he says goofy stuff. Mm-hmm. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. We've got a beautiful day on our hands today. We'll be at 70 degrees, and that means it's time for the official Garage Logic Garage Door Opener. Celebrate with 1500 ESPN and Garage Logic. One to three today. It's a live broadcast at Charlie's on Pryor in Pryor Lake. Come enjoy one of the Scramble Friday drink specials and enter to win a new Legacy 850 Garage Door Opener from Overhead Door Company of the Northland. Details. At 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. All right, Myron, I need your help here because you covered Royce White when he was a young player. Well, he didn't even play with the Gophers because he never got that far. Yeah. Um, But this is a story that you sent me yesterday from CBC.ca. I'm just going to read it. Former NBL Canada MVP Royce White has been suspended for 10 games after multiple people recorded an incident during Thursday night's win over the St. John's Edge. The Edge. That's a great team name, by the it way. Is, it is. Let's go with, we're going to, it's, it's going to be like the ambiguous, it's like wild or magic, but Edge. Uh, White, a star player with the London Lightning, had strong words with the league's deputy commissioner as the game ended. Quote from the commissioner, I'd rather not disclose what he said, but I can say that it wasn't appropriate and it certainly wasn't respectful. And there's like video. It's like Zabruder film of Royce White, someone's like cell phone cam, chewing out this uh, this deputy commissioner. And then Royce took issue with people's descriptions of screaming. And he took to Twitter and said, that's game MVP. Like I said, screaming is so sensationalized. Moral and ethical judgments from the culturally uh, decadent only falls on deaf ears. That's a lot you haven't seen. You live in Newfoundland. Not many, if any, apex predators like me live on the rock. Hashtag be well. I need help here. <laughs> we, all, with Royce we, we all do. First off, Royce has been, he's carved out a, a, a great niche for himself in Canada. He's been one of the best players in that league. They've won championships. Where does that league rank? So NBA See, 1, I don't, 1A, I don't know. 1B. It's so hard to judge. I mean, it's NBA, clearly. You have the established European leagues. But I think the NBL is becoming a more respected league. Um, but but he's been playing really good. I, I know his uncle, uh, his grandfather, Frank White, who takes a bunch of trips up to Canada to see him play. He's played well. Um, but then you see stuff like this, and you go, oh, boy. That's the other Royce we know as well. And he's done great things with mental health and, and pro sports. And he's going to be featured on E60 this Sunday on ESPN um, as someone who has been a real advocate for mental health. Um, but again, as people in Minneapolis and Twin Cities, 
we know all sides of Royce because we saw him even when he was at De La Salle and got kicked out of there, ended up at Hopkins, didn't play at Minnesota. But it made me think, man, about what could have been because he's on that short list of local athletes where you go, if it had happened, you know, what would have happened to that team? So he would have been on the same team as Trevor Mbakwe, Rodney Williams. So it would have been the 09, the 2009, 2010 team that only made the NCAA tournament when they got to the title game of the Big Ten tournament, right? Uh, but that was a team where you don't have Royce White, who got suspended before the season, never played. Trevor Mbakwe is out because he had that crazy thing happening in Florida where he was falsely accused of of, of something. Um, and you just had a bunch of things go wrong, but that team in 2010, remember, Duke wins the championship over Butler. Uh, Michigan State was a Final Four team. Minnesota beat Michigan State in that Big Ten tournament so, without Royce, without Trevor. Yeah. So you imagine if you have Royce and Trevor Mbakwe, who's making big money overseas right now and doing really well for himself, you know, what what could have been? He's was still the greatest. Austin enigma. Hollins maybe a freshman on that team? I don't think Austin, because that's like a DeVoe Joseph team. Okay. Um Al Nolan, I mean, that, my timelines are Damian Johnson. Yeah, it gets weird, but but and then it's the third season under Tubby. But that could have been the big step that the league that the team could have taken in the Big Ten. And I think they had a chance to make a run had you know Royce not gotten in his situation. Did he get over his flying anxiety? I, I don't think he did because you know the big thing with the Rockets after they drafted him was he wanted a bus. So no joke. After they get after he gets drafted, he goes through training camp. I get a call. Uh, this is three, four years ago from a woman identifying herself as Royce White's publicist. Now, mind you, I know Royce, right? I know his family. So you can call me directly. His publicist says, hey, Royce would like to talk to you. So I talked to Royce, and that was when he said, hey, I want a bus to travel around the country, to games. I'm not going to fly. And that's when kind of all the be well mental health stuff started. So I, I, I'm not, I don't think. He's flying. If he is, he's not doing it frequently, to my yeah, knowledge. Yeah. You know? And Man. that's a real thing. I mean, the anxiety thing is a real thing. But again, the suspension, when you look at the video, you're like, Royce. Because that's the thing that's gotten him into trouble throughout he's his career. Very polarizing. Yes. Very, very polarizing. And, I mean, here, got caught shoplifting a pair of jeans. Something dumb that kept him away from the team. Um. But he's one of the most talented players to not just come out of this area. One of the most talented players I've seen, man, to be six eight and to move the way he does. I remember watching Royce White Hopkins, and then uh, Rodney Williams was at uh, Cooper. Cooper. I remember watching those guys play each other. I think it was both I of their senior it. years. Well, yeah. You might might have been in the same gym watching that game, and yep. it was like. Uh, and then, and then, as Rodney Williams was headed to the University of Minnesota, there was like NBA draft websites, like the NBA Draft.net, which grain of salt has the two years out. Yeah, and he was at one point third overall pick Rodney material. Was, yes, because I mean, because his athleticism, and if he could just develop a shot, which in four years at the U, he never did. He could no. never shoot outside five feet, and that was the problem. With a different coach, though, he might have been in a different. Like if a different coach, other than Tubby, would have let him just run and jump and dunk. Might have been a different situation. Yeah, and, and and mental note for ten years. If you go back ten years ago, when Northwestern's running a one three one zone, and you have Rodney yeah. Williams on the baseline for alley oops, just lob the whole yeah, time. Just, yeah, not time. that hard to break every single time. Myron Medcast hanging out with us. Yeah, he's in place of Judd, who's back on Monday, and this is going to be your first crack at the uh, write that down batting average.
Do you have do you have some predictions in mind for this upcoming segment? Yeah, but my predictions usually don't come true. But yeah, I got a few. Hey, you're going to be just like us then. Write okay. that down in an accountability session when we come back. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.